Hey, I'm Andy. I'm Andy. And you're listening to the HMO Podcast. Over 10 years ago, I set myself the challenge of building my own property portfolio. And what began as a short-term investment plan soon became a long-term commitment to change the way young people live together. I've now built several successful businesses. I've raised millions of pounds of investment and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice and everything else you need to know to start, scale and systemize your very own HMO portfolio. Now. When it comes to getting our hands on the most profitable deals that are out there in the market, is it all about being in the right place at the right time? Is it just good luck? Well, in my opinion, in my experience, the answer is absolutely not. That's not the case. And in fact, quite the opposite. In today's episode, I want to share six things. These are the clues, the indications, the little breadcrumbs that'll lead you to the very best deals, the most profitable deals that you can possibly get your hands on. So if you want to know what these are, and these are the things that you should be looking at from the outset as you embark on the process of trying to find, source, acquire the next project you should be looking for. That sounds good to you. If you want to make sure you're buying the most profitable deals that you can be, then make sure you stick around. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the HMO Podcast. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO Roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the Roadmap, you'll find a full 60-lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now and come and join our incredible community of HMO property investors. Okay, welcome back. So in today's episode, I would like to talk to you about the six clues, if you like, that will take you, certainly in my experience, to what become your most profitable deals. Now, these ideas that I am going to share with you today are not new. And in fact, I suspect you've heard or are aware of most, if not all of them. But what I also suspect is you're probably not actively doing anything about them. You're probably, when you're looking at listings and looking at deals and having conversations, you're probably not going out of your way to try and find these things first. These really are the breadcrumbs that'll take you to what could possibly be the best deals on the market at any time. Now, this is all going to make sense as we work our way through today's episode. But when I reflect on some of the best deals that I've done, these things were all there. These little clues were all there in the listings when I first found that property. As I've got more experienced and as I'm looking and sourcing for deals, this is what I'm actually looking for first. I'm actually looking for these little bits that are good clues, really good indications that I may well have found something that nobody else is really going to see or pay much attention to and could well be an incredibly profitable deal. Now, this is all about being a good investor, but it's also about taking action. It's not just about knowing what this is. It's actually about doing something with this information. 
So I'm going to share these six ideas with you. Like I said, not likely to be completely new. I suspect you're going to know what they are and why they're important. But if you want to be building a supply of hugely profitable deals, you've got to be first looking for these clues out there in the market. So let's get stuck into it. The first idea, the first thing I want to talk to you about is motivated sellers. Now, you're probably saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy, we all know about motivated sellers. Motivated sellers, they're more likely to take lower offers. They just want to get rid of the property for whatever reason. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And there's a whole host of reasons. They might be retiring and want to leave the country. They might have some issues personally that they've got to deal with and getting rid of this property is part of that. They might just be finding it too hard. The property might be old and tired and they might just not have the know-how as to how to sort of get it back in the market and get the voids sort of reduced and get it back up to full occupancy. There's a whole host of reasons. But ask yourself, are you actually going out of your way to try and find those motivated sellers? Well, if you're waiting for these deals to be found online, you're not really doing enough is the reality. Yes, there are some motivated sellers online, but of course, everyone else can probably get their hands on that as well. You're not at a huge advantage. So if we understand the importance of motivated sellers, and this really, really can be one of the best ways to guarantee that you buy and acquire what becomes an incredibly profitable deal, you want to be going direct to these motivated sellers. Now, direct to vendor marketing in itself is quite a big topic. I've talked about it on the podcast before. We've got a lot of information inside the roadmap about this. And we've actually even got a content subscription service where we help a number of our community members send out direct to vendor marketing letters to help them secure deals. But if you're really serious about building a portfolio and finding the very best deals that you can. Maybe you've got a service that you're trying to work with other investors. This is quite likely going to be something that will help you. If you're sending out communications and trying to surface motivated sellers through your direct comms, you're going to be at a huge advantage. The great advantage of actually sending direct to vendor stuff is if you can literally get your foot in that door, you can then sit down, have conversations, you can build rapport with that seller. You can actually understand their circumstances. Why are they motivated? And I'm not suggesting for one moment you are trying to take advantage of that, but actually understanding that and finding a win-win for both parties is absolutely what this is all about. There might be a creative deal in there. Um, You might be able to move really quickly, but only at a particular price. That is the way that property and business often works. So if we understand, if we recognize and all agree that finding motivated sellers is one way of almost sort of ensuring and guaranteeing we end up with what becomes a really profitable deal at the back end, because likely to be able to buy it at a pretty good price at the front end, then it makes sense that we should be doing something about this, right? So ask yourself, are you doing anything about this? Do you have a direct-to-vendor campaign? Do you have a strategy in place? If the answer is no, then this is definitely something that you might want to be thinking about. Now, in all honesty, this does take time. It takes a commitment. It, there's a cost associated to it. Creating content or subscribing to our content, there's a cost actually sending out the mail. There is a cost. There's a time and a cost attached to being able to answer calls and arrange these meetings. And some of the meetings you'll go to, they'll be fruitless. But the reality is, if you do enough of it, statistically, you will ultimately uncover and service some really good deals. But you've just got to know how, and you've just got to be committed to doing it properly and for long enough. So that's the first idea that I wanted to talk to you about today. Like I said, It's nothing new. You probably were aware of it, but you may not quite understand or believe in just how powerful it can be. The second idea I want to talk to you about today is agent relationships. Now, again, nothing new in this whatsoever. Probably all 
understand and recognize the benefits of developing a rapport with an agent. But how many of us are actually doing this? How many of us are actually going out of our way to try and build relationships and rapport? And it's also not easy, right? A lot of people are going into agencies. I'm an investor. I've got cash. And how do you differentiate yourself? Well, that's tough. And again, it does take time and it takes commitment and there's various costs attached to doing this. But if you do commit to this idea, this is absolutely one of the things that can help more than anything. Just getting that call to say, Andy, by the way, we've got something that we think we're about to get instructed on. We think you're going to really, really like it. Are you still in the market? Would you be able to buy cash or whatever it might be? That might just be enough to give you a first look or to kind of get you in that door first. And on a number of occasions, a number of deals that I've bought, that has absolutely been a key, a really critical factor. In fact, some stock, particularly in prime HMO markets like the student market, a lot of stock moves around off market, but it does still get handled by agents. So for example, a lot of letting agents, student agents, they hold the keys. They manage a lot of properties. So when some of their landlords are talking about selling up, agents, letting agents, like the one that I used to own before I sold it, we would often try and negotiate sales for our clients. We would be able to maybe find an investor or maybe even have an investor like you or like like myself that we could just pick up the phone to and say, look, we've actually got a couple of five beds coming on the market soon. They're both a bit tired. This is the sort of rough yield. This is what we're getting. Are you interested? The sort of thing that is happening all the time. So don't underestimate how important building relationships with agents could be. Now, it's tricky because you can't just charge into an agency you're likely to burn your bridges very quickly if you do. You've got to temper the ego. Agents have heard it all before. I can't tell you how many times I was called by somebody who was a cash buyer and they were ready to go and and I would just roll my eyes. Actually, what I found was that when people would come and view things and you'd just spend five, 10 minutes just chatting to them, getting to know them and policies of honesty and being super transparent because it's very easy for agents to see through inexperience. And there's nothing wrong with inexperience, but agents don't like it. So being genuine, being authentic, just being really transparent about things, but also not trying to force it too quickly. Understanding that building rapport, building relationship does take time. You've got to go to the viewings. You've got to have the conversations. You've got to be following up. Are you actually calling the agency every week, every couple of weeks saying, hey, you know, just seeing if you've got anything or anything on the horizon, still interested? Just a quick reminder, like, this is what I'm looking for. Anything comes through, just let me know. Yeah, great, thanks. That is all it needs to be. But if you do that for long enough, and if you do it consistently enough, I guarantee that it will help get you in front of what could potentially be the most profitable deals that you get your hands on. Okay, the third thing I want to talk about today then is building a pipeline. Again, nothing new in this. We've all heard about the importance of building a pipeline, but how many of us are actually doing it? How many offers are you putting in? And then even if you get rejected, recording, how often are you actually following that up a month, two months, three months, six months down the line? The reality is a good chunk of sales fall through. I'm not quite sure of the exact statistic when it comes to HMOs, but there's absolutely no doubt that a good chunk of things fall through. And if it falls through three, four, five months down the line, which often it does, everybody's really frustrated at this point. The seller's frustrated, the agent's really frustrated because they've done a lot of work and they still haven't been paid. Often what that agent will do is rather than go back to market on the instruction of the seller, they'll just go back through the black box and call whomever they think is likely to be able to proceed very, very quickly. If 
they don't know that that is you. They're not going to call you. They're going to call the other person. They're going to call me. <laughs> Make sure that they know you are that person. If you've been pestering, if you've been following up on your offers several months down the line, just not pestering them, not annoying them or frustrating them. But if you're that person and that property does come back on the market, who do you think they are likely to speak to first? Of course, it is going to be you. So building that pipeline, and if you're putting enough offers in, you'll find that you build quite a good pipeline over a period of time. Make sure you do build that pipeline, put it in a spreadsheet, CRM software, whatever it needs to be. It doesn't actually need to be anything fancy. Keep notes of it, what you offered, last conversation that you had with the agent, whatever it is, but make sure you build that pipeline and make sure you do go back and follow up anything that you offered on and either didn't get accepted or was sale agreed and something else because it quite possibly may have fallen through. So that's the third thing that I wanted to talk to you about today. The fourth thing, and I've been in the market a long, long time, right? And this is actually something that really didn't sink in with me until about a year ago. And that is looking actively, going out of your way to find the most ugly listings, the most ugly listings on Rightmove and on Zoopla and on Prime Location. And you know where you find really, really ugly listings? auction houses and on commercial websites, because those guys tend not to be the most tactful when it comes to marketing. If they use a really crappy picture of the garden or like a picture of the road, you can't quite tell which property you're actually looking at. Last year, we bought a commercial building and it went to auction and it was by a long, long way, the most awful looking, ugly thing in the auction lot. When I first saw it and when my business partner pointed it out. I was horrified. It was so (laughs) ugly. I've posted pictures of it on social media and we're converting that into 10 flats. But it's a really good example because it was so ugly. We had almost no competition. Internally, actually had loads of potential. Good floor plan, good location, great potential, benefits of permitted development rights. But because it was so ugly, it just put 95% of people off straight away. In reality, when it came to the auction, I think there was only maybe two or three other interested parties. And the guide price was very, very good. So it was nothing to do with guide price. And actually, we were having conversations with the agent. We had a good relationship with that agent, that auctioneer. We bought with them before. Even the auctioneer was advising us to make sure that when we're looking through the auction lots, we are spending time looking at the ugly stuff because they know that that is the stuff that tends to turn out to be the most profitable. So how often are you actually going out of your way to look and really spend time digging into the most ugly deals out there on Rightmove and on Zoopla and Prime Location and the auctioneers and things like that. Make it part of your strategy. I guarantee, not me every single time, but I guarantee you will find some really good things. And I guarantee that a lot fewer people will be interested in it purely because it is ugly. Okay. Number five, then, I think this is a really great tip specifically for HMO property investors. This is one of the first things that I'm looking for on any listings. As HMO investors, we know that we want as many rooms as practically possible inside a house. That's where the money is, right? So what we don't want to be doing is spending too much time looking at things that are going to be tricky to convert. What we should be doing from the outset is looking for floor plans or properties and rooms, pictures that indicate big boxy floor plans with garages and high-pitched roofs that are potentially convertible. That's where a lot of the money is in refurb, okay? If we don't have to do too much to a floor plan or if it's quite easy to just bang partitions up to sort of split big rooms into two, if we don't have to move staircases, 
if we can convert attached or detached garages into rooms, if we can convert lofts into rooms, that is where a lot of value add is. Okay. A lot of us, a lot of people spend too much time looking at quite complicated floor plans. If things just require too much change, moving staircases, for example, not that cheap to do, but big boxy floor plans. And I'll tell you what I really like. Um, Ex-local authority houses for HMOs, fantastic floor plans. They're just big boxy. They were built cheap, very square, and they make fantastic homes to convert into HMOs. So make sure that you are looking for those sort of things. It's a really good clue that that deal could turn out to be a very, very profitable deal. Often that stuff tends to be quite ugly looking as well. Just sort of, I find it that it goes hand in hand. So big boxy looking stuff with garages that are not converted and potentially lofts that are also not converted. You can just get more bang for your buck with those sorts of projects. So make sure you are looking for that sort of thing at the outset. Okay, the sixth and final idea and a clue, if you like, that I want to share with you today are listings and properties that are close in proximity to really significant amenities. Now, we all know the importance, don't we, of this, particularly with HMOs, right? We've got young tenants. They need to be near things like work and university. But I still don't think we understand just how valuable this stuff is. I'll give you a good example. Often we're trying to make our budget stretch as far as possible, right? Recycle as much capital as we can through deals. And often it looks attractive to buy deals in peripheral locations, small towns, because the property purchase price is a little bit cheaper. But often there's not as much going on from an amenity point of view. The HMO market is not particularly established. So when you come to get it valued at the back end, actually gets penalised for that reason, because there isn't an established HMO market. On the other hand, where there is an established HMO market, where the values are accustomed to going to properties and valuing them for the purpose of using as a HMO, you are much more likely to get that better valuation at the back end. Now, yes, you might pay a bit more to get into the property at the front end, but if you can really sweat that asset through the process of your refurb, you're much more likely to get that leverage at the back end, those commercial value benefits, okay? Really, really important, but you're just much more likely to get that within an established market. And that established market is usually dictated and determined by proximity to local and significant amenities. So big employers, like um, big Amazon warehouses, those sorts of things, big retail parks, hospitals, that sort of stuff. And also universities, generally speaking, the closer you are to a university campus, the more valuable your property is going to be as a HMO at the back end. Now, yeah, like I said, it could be a bit more expensive to get into at the front end, but everything's relative, right? So just keep that in mind. So proximity to significant local amenities. So when you're searching, you're actually sourcing for deals, you could be actively going out of your way to search for things in and around and in very close proximity to those sorts of amenities. Now, those are the six ideas that I want to share with you today. So let me just recap. The first one is motivated sales, really targeting and trying to surface motivated sales. But you probably need to put a direct vendor strategy in place to do this properly. Agent relationships. We all understand the value of having an agent on our side, but how many of us are actually doing anything about that to actually build and grow and nurture those sorts of relationships? Building a pipeline, making sure that we follow everything or one month, two months, three months, four months, six months down the line. If it has sold and it's completed, fine, we can stop chasing the agent. But until it has, just keep dropping those calls. Just keep letting them know if anything happens, if it does go south, you're happy to stand in. You're ready to go. Number four, ugly listings. 
go out of your way to find and really just have a close look at the most ugly listings that you can find on the market. They tend to turn out to be really great deals. Number five, look for large boxy floor plans, things with garages that you can convert, things with high-pitched roofs or neighboring properties that have already had their lofts converted. They tend to be really good deals. You can really sweat your refurbs on those projects and they can become really profitable projects. And finally, number six, making sure that you're searching within very close proximity to really significant amenities, amenities that help determine HMO markets. The more established HMO market is, the better your value is likely to be at the back. And the more data that a valuer can rely on, the more likely they are to be able to give you the value that you want, as long as that data supports it. It's just harder to do when that stuff isn't going on. So there you go. Those are the six clues, the six things that you should be really trying to almost go out of your way to look for and focus on when you're trying to source your next deal, when you're trying to find and acquire your next deal. And the great thing is you can combine all of this stuff. It's not just one that you could be doing or two. You can be doing all of this stuff. So I guess the question that I want to ask you is, are you finding enough deals at the moment? Or are you finding that actually it's tough to find deals or deals that look profitable enough? Well, actually, a lot of what I've talked about here is just tweaking probably what you're already doing. You don't have to spend a huge amount of time or money. There are some costs associated to some of this, but even a good direct-to-vendor strategy, you could be sending out a 1,000 letters a month for £400 a month across the course of a year. That's, what, 4,800 quid a year, less than five grand. Well, if that direct-to-vendor campaign sources you one motivated seller and you get to buy a project, buy a deal that is even £5,000, £10,000 less than actual market value, that is going to be worth it, isn't it? That is an economic use of your resources, your time. It's a really good way to be sourcing and finding deals. That's just a really sensible way of looking at things. So you do have to be a bit more long-sighted sometimes. And I think often we struggle with that, don't we? Myself included, we want things now. We want instant results. But Sometimes if you want the best results, you have to employ tactics like this. You have to play that longer game. But look, six months, 12 months down the line, as long as you keep doing it, then things do start to feel a bit more instant. And this is when we look around and we see people doing good deals and doing lots of deals. It's often because they are doing all of this stuff. They've been doing this stuff that we're talking about now, but they've been doing it for six, 12, 18 months. I've been sending direct to vendor stuff for years, literally since 2015, we were sending thousands of letters every month. I've talked about it on the show before. And I have done some incredible deals, both for purchase and for things like rent to rent, as a direct result of things like direct to vendor and looking at these sorts of things. A lot of the properties that I have bought, bought some really ugly things at auctions. I've bought lots of ex local authority properties because they've got really great big boxy floor plans. A lot of people just are not that attracted to because from the curbside, they're just not as as appealing. So there you go, guys. Six things that I think if you go out of your way to look for in the market, online listings and other things that you can do as part of your sourcing strategy, I can guarantee that you will help ensure that you get your hands on what turn out to be substantially more profitable deals. So it's a no-brainer, isn't it, right? So that's it for today's episode, guys. I hope you found that that is useful. I hope you can go and put that into action. Make sure you do. That's the important thing here. Don't just listen to it and make sure you go and actually put it all 
into action. If you've got any questions or anything to add on anything that I've talked about in today's episode, come on over to the HMO community. That is, of course, our free group on Facebook. Coming up to eight and a half thousand members now, growing every single day, every single week, really is a fantastic place to come and ask questions and have discussions about things like this. Lots of members in our community are getting great results, so you might be able to learn a lot from them. Of course, if you want to really get into the detail of how to do things like direct vendor campaigns, how to do area evaluations, how to really figure out where the most profitable locations are. If you want to learn on demand, if you want access to all of our masterclasses, all of my lessons, all of my templates and resources, it's all there waiting for you inside the HMO roadmap. And just a quick FYI, our 20% sale on premium memberships, which gives you access to absolutely everything for a whole 12 months, our 20% sale, cheapest price we've ever sold anything in the roadmap for. It is coming to an end at the end of January, so you haven't got long. If you've been waiting, make sure you don't leave it too much longer because that is going to end. Just head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk and go and see what it's all about. I think you'll absolutely love it. It really is just an absolute no-brainer for HMO investors. And of course, guys, don't forget that I'll be right back here in the very same place next week. So please join me then for another installment of the HMO Podcast. (laughs) 